to a special edition of our show, Herstory. On the rocks! With Katie. And Allie. Normally be Allie and I hanging out, just the two of us, with a couple of cocktails talking about famous women in history. But sometimes we like to talk to people who are writing about history or historical time periods. <laughs> we have a very special guest here with us today, Catherine Sherbrooke. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have Catherine. She is the chair of the Grub Street Creative Writing Center in Boston and the author of books, Fill the Sky and Leaving Coys Hill. She is here with us today to talk about her latest novel, The Hidden Life of Aster Kelly. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. I um, grew up living in books. I think as many of us did, it was my first love since the time I was a little kid and always dreamed of being a writer, but kind of thought that was some magical gift that hadn't been bestowed on me for whatever reason. So even though I was an English major through college, I ended up having a business career before I kind of came back around and, and decided I should give writing a go. And now it's what I do full time. That's perfect. Well, we're so excited to get into this book, but first we have to get into the cocktail we made for it. Uh, so this is obviously called the Hidden Life of Astra Kelly. And I have found a cocktail from the 1940s and kind of modeled it after that. Um, so it is brandy, triple sec, maraschino cherry syrup, and juice from half a lime. And you garnish it with a lime zest and a cherry. So cheers. Wow. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to give that a go. Mm. And it, it it's really good. And it actually matches like the uh, purpley color on the top half of your book cover, the yeah. purpley pink. It's really yeah. pretty. It looks really yeah. good together. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> so before we dive into your book, one thing we always like to do is really set the scene. So the book starts in Los Angeles in 1948. What was life like then for somebody living in that time period? Yeah, well, so I think we've probably all seen whether either in movies of that time or movies about that time, you know, Hollywood is this really glamorous place. It really was the heyday of um, of Hollywood. And so, and there, you know, some of the biggest stars that we can still think of ever um, were during that time period. So I think it was both an exciting time, but also like any industry, right, looks really fabulous from the outside, but has its has its uh its its gritty side with people you know everyone kind of climbing each o over each other to get ahead um always posing in some way people waiting for their big break and so i i thought it made for an interesting setting in many ways of the kind of you know the, the outside versus the inside of what's really going on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so we have this main character of um, Aster, obviously, Aster Kelly, <laughs> which it kind of reminds me of a, is it a mixture of the two names, Carolyn Aster and Grace Kelly? It kind of feels like that. To well, me. definitely the Grace Kelly, Jean Kelly. Yeah. yeah. That was a good, and Aster is kind of sort of mean star. And so mm -hmm. it just sort of felt like a name that was glamorous. Yeah. Well, I love it. <laughs> uh, so we have this main character and I want to talk about this immediately because I think it's so interesting. She's kind of based on your mother who was a model in the forties. Uh, you say it's a reimagining of her life. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it's inspired by my mother. She was a <laughs> runway model in Hollywood in the forties and um, but she wouldn't really talk about that time in her life. So I was always intrigued by that. I mean, like really wouldn't talk about it. She came home early fifties, divorced with a child and wouldn't talk to my oldest sister, even about who her father was. So mm -hmm. 
there was always this intrigue, obviously. Um, and yet she would drop little tidbits sometimes, almost when she was sort of forgetting that she didn't want us to know about this and would mention people like Cary Grant or Roy Rogers. And then I found a picture one day of her with Bob Hope. So like real stars. And then when I would say, Ma, what about that? She'd say, oh, she, oh, no, no, no. I prefer to pretend that time in my life never happened. So I was like a little scared by that and intrigued by that. And sadly, my mother's no longer with us. Um, and I just decided, you know what? What if I just ask the creative question? How does a gal from Newark, New Jersey wind up kind of entangled in the highest echelons of Hollywood and come home burdened by secrets? What might have happened? And so I used the few little breadcrumbs she left behind to um, kind of inform certain things that I sprinkled in there. But it's a total reimagining of of what life might have been like for someone like her. Wow. And the other main character in the book is her daughter. Is it Lissy? Lissy, yes. Lissy. And she's based on your older sister, Barbara. Can you tell us a little bit about that inspiration and how they're different? Yes, for sure. So the the that second timeline, which is a 1970s New York, mm -hmm. and as you say, focuses on Astor's daughter, Lissy, it's, it's less about my sister, Barbara, in a way you know, she couldn't really carry a tune. She wasn't an aspiring Broadway star. But again, I asked the creative question. So when my mom came back, she did eventually marry my father and have four more children, of which I'm the youngest. And my oldest sister, Barbara, was much older than the rest of us. It kind of felt like an appendage to that family, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So my second creative question was, what might have life looked like for the two of them if my mother hadn't remarried and hadn't had the rest of us? And it was just the two of them. How might the two of their lives blossomed differently than they did. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I let, I just asked, you know, Lissy run with her own dreams. Um, and I made her an, a broad, an aspiring Broadway star because I again wanted her to put her in that situation of grappling with, you know, fame, how much of it is a desire for fame? How much is it this feeling like she had a an obligation to a famous legacy, um, and just kind of exploring what happens also when when people are in the public eye and then make decisions that impact them accordingly. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what's interesting, because it kind of seems like both of these women are kind of trying to make it in these high stakes, uh, these creative settings. And so what did you imagine had changed over the course of those 25 years? And what had kind of stayed the same? Were there things that they were both facing? And it's kind of like, my gosh, it's been 25 years and they're having the same problems. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's an excellent question. So, um, you know, in Astor's time frame in 1949, women had way fewer choices professionally. So that's the biggest difference, probably. I mean, I make pretty clear in the beginning of the book that Astor feels like, you know, she has basically three choices in life. She continue modeling, which she really doesn't want to do for lots of reasons. She really wants to be a fashion designer because she wants to take advantage of her creative skills. Or if that doesn't work out, she's going to be a secretary. You know, that's kind of in in broad strokes what her choices were. Lissy, on the other hand, is very well educated, a Vassar graduate. She knows that she has choices, but still wants to pursue her passion um, which is, you know, first and foremost singing, which led her to the stage. So I think what they have in common is the artistic struggle of knowing that they want to pursue something creative, but that's never 
that's never an easy path. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult no matter what industry you choose. And even in some ways, no matter how talented you are. And so there's a lot of insecurity, I think that comes, comes with pursuing a a creative path path and that they definitely have in common. Hmm. So Lissy's life, as we said, is 1970s Broadway scene. Did you choose that timeline just because it lines up with her mom, Aster? Or is there something special about 1970s Broadway that really draws you in slash has a musical that you love? Yeah. So um, a little bit of a lot of both, actually. So growing up in New Jersey, I also grew up in New Jersey. I was mesmerized by Broadway. So it was a big deal every year when we got to go into a Broadway show because I loved it. But Times Square was super scary back then. I mean, really felt it was, it was dangerous. So I had this love hate relationship with, with Broadway. So again, thought that juxtaposition was an interesting place to place it. And then in terms of choosing 1975 in specific, it it worked for, you know, the the age I, I wanted Lissy to be, but specifically because there was a really important musical, real musical, which you guys know appears in the book that did actually launch um, that year. And then the book goes on to be in Martha's Vineyard. And it was just really kind of fun that Jaws came out that year and was filmed <laughs> on Martha's Vineyard. And so it's really fun. <clears throat> I have a lot of fun as an author, kind of finding things from real life that you can plug into the story that end up being really relevant to the story. So 1975 worked really well for all of that. I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought up the New York Times thing because, or the Times Square thing, because I just saw that on a documentary not too many weeks ago, and I had no idea. No idea, right? Yeah, because I, so I was born in the 80s, and I've just always pictured it in my head on New Year's Eve, like being from <laughs> Baltimore. It was like I didn't really, you know, I went up to New York maybe once a year, so yeah. I had no idea that it was like a really dangerous area in New York. Really dangerous. And I remember when in my professional career, I finally went back to New York on business and I walked in Times Square and I was like, this is like Disneyland. Like, yeah. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was really, really different back then. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love the other setting too of, you know, late 1940s Hollywood. Was that also just really fun to write about? And were there real celebrities that you were drawing upon to kind of base some of these characters on? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's such a fun, um, such a fun time period. So in the, in the book, Astra Kelly becomes the sort of stand in model for Lauren Bacall. And I relied a lot on Lauren Bacall's memoir, actually, because she really goes into great depth about what it was like to be a contract actor at that time when you really worked for one studio. And of course, she was, you know, in a love affair with Humphrey Bogart, and they had all these famous people around them. Um, so, so drawing on memoirs from that time really helped. And then of course, you know, all the movies that came out around then you can just sort of soak up the atmosphere (laughs) by watching them. But, uh, it was, it was really fun to, to focus on that. And then also the fashion. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my mother actually being a, a runway model, I heard a lot about the fashion growing up, but being able to do the research into, you know, the fabrics and the styles and, and how that, and and then merging that with things she told me about her training as a runway model was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like your relationship with your family changed at all as you were writing the book? Like, were you sitting up thinking, you know, what could, if my mother was open about this, what could she have said about this time in life? 
Well, yeah, I've thought about all of that for a really long time. Um, a lot of my, the research that I did into my mother's um, life was because my first book was actually a family memoir to sort of start to get my, my arms around it. And I just, I wish, I really wish we'd been able to talk about it because, you know, she was going through all this when she was 19, 20 years old. You know, this is very much kind of a coming of age novel, both for Aster and for Lissy. And I think there are just so many, um, even though the time was so different, there are so many commonalities that we all have to deal with, you know, choosing profession, professional choices versus personal choices, you know, romance, dealing with men, relationships that do and don't work out. Obviously my mother had a marriage that didn't work out. Um, it would have been great to talk to her about all that. So mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. We didn't have and that. Um, one of your other books was a historical fiction, I believe about Lucy Stone, correct? Yes. yes. Um, and is it more difficult to do kind of a historical fiction about people you know versus a stranger or is there more pressure when it's a stranger because mm -hmm. other people are really examining the facts uh, what's the difference there yeah it's um it's really different so for for lucy stone which is right up your guys alley yeah. <laughs> friends um i felt a great responsibility to stick as closely to the facts as i could and also i have a lot of a lot of characters who appear who are real people also mm -hmm. like Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass and well-known characters. So I really wanted to try and get it right and was hoping that anyone who read it, who studied any of them deeply would feel that I got it right. Um, but it was still a really fun puzzle to kind of still develop those people as characters as I saw them. But the plot was handed to me a little bit more mm -hmm. um, in this one, you know, when it's pure fiction, sky's the limit which is both fun and terrifying because there, any choice is available. Um, so they're just, they're very different processes. And I, I guess I like them both. I like doing them both rather than, than only sticking to one or the other. I love that you described this as a coming of age really for both Aster and Lissy, because it's a nice way to think um, about the artistic world, but also just, you know, going into any job in any industry is what do you want women to relate to or men really when they sit down to read this novel? Yeah. Um, I think one of the key things that, that is always a challenge for everybody is what are you in it for? Mm -hmm. What is it that you're hoping for? What are your aspirations? What are the, you know, what are the strengths that you pull on or the things that make you happy or that fuel you that you want to do versus the things that you feel you should be doing. Now we all have to make money at some level, right? So you don't get a choice about everything, but, um, Lissy's story in particular, you know, she, she, she loves singing. That's her passion and sort of felt like the best way to channel that was on the stage. But as you see through the story, acting isn't something that she's entirely comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So the, I feel like the question we all have to answer, and not only as young people, but through our lives is which trade-offs are worth making because I get to do this thing I love. And oh, of course there are these other things versus which trade-offs are not worth making. And that could be not worth it because you know, the people you work with are treat you awfully or, you know, you're not getting valued for what you bring or there's too much in the job that you don't enjoy and only a small amount that you do. And so um, those are questions that they, they both wrestle with. 
quite a bit, I'd say. Yeah. You mentioned that you used memoirs of old Hollywood stars to kind of get a feel for the time period. Were there any other ways that you conducted research to get into both the 40s and the 70s for this book? Yeah. So there was a documentary that was really instrumental for the 70s time mm-hmm. period. Um, it's called, and I mentioned this in the author's note, but it's called The the Best Worst Thing That Ever Happened. And it's about a Broadway show that I very much base my fictional Broadway show in the book on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and having that documentary view of real footage from the time period, it was actually a show that came out, I think, in 1981. So it wasn't exactly 75, but it was close enough. Um, and to see behind the scenes and to see interviews with the actors and and what they were going through as they were auditioning for and then rehearsing for this show. And then the aftermath was instrumental. I'm really visual. So also being able to see the documentary or um, the other, the other thing that I used and a ton for the forties. And I do this for a lot of my books are vintage, vintage magazines. Mm. So seeing the, the photographs, You know, even seeing the advertisements that they put in these vintage magazines just puts you right in the time. I mean, you literally have the housewife in her pretty dress, vacuuming, smoking a cigarette, you know, (laughs) with her Revlon lipstick. And you're like, oh my good Lord. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the image that you're supposed to uphold as a woman at this time period. And so um, that kind of primary research really always brings it home for me and makes me feel much more confident about the world I'm describing. Mm. When you're writing um, kind of the story of two people like this, is there a part that is more fun for you and a part that you're kind of like pulling teeth to get it out or does it change day by day? Yeah, it's really interesting. So Astor's story came to me first, no surprise. I mean, I started there and I actually wrote her and what I thought was her entire story before I got into the the Lissy story. And then I had to really figure out what that story was about. But, but I think it's important um, when you have two storylines to think about how they're in conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. And so to the extent that you go back and forth and I go back and forth and kind of large chunks in the beginning, but how are they either mirroring each other or working in juxtaposition to each other? And then working through that puzzle became really fun um, and then, and that just forced me to get to think about Listy a lot more deeply and get to know her a lot better. And then once the Broadway thing came to me, then that was just so fun. Cause as I said before, I love Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I also, it's nice having two time periods cause sometimes you get stuck, you know, I'm not sure what's supposed to happen. Here. Okay. I'm going to go work on seventies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that one for a little while. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of nice having both to go back and forth with. Yeah. Was your family excited that you were going to tackle this project? I mean, you said you have three siblings. I'm also the youngest of four, so I can relate. And <laughs> yeah. I yes, wonder yes. what it would be like if I wrote kind of a historical novel about my family and what their reaction would be. <laughs> yeah, I uh it, it's always a little, um, you know, I'm always a, a little worried about it, even though they're so supportive. So I did give the book to my siblings to read first and saying, you know, with a gazillion caveats, this will make you think of mom, but it's really not mom, but I hope you like it, but it's really not mom. Um, so they read it and I actually just finally handed it, the finished book to my father, who's still alive yesterday, mm. with the same caveat of like, here it is, dad. 
like you know it's inspired by mom it's not mom so yeah don't, you know don't get upset when you see something that's you know and i'm still waiting for him to call me to forget that and be like you know she didn't do this yeah thing. <laughs> oh, i told you dad it's not really better so um so it is a little nerve-wracking but i do but at the same time i've, I've tried to make really clear that it, it is a fictional experiment mm-hmm. so um, so hopefully so far, everyone's okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, this has been so exciting to talk about and the book's really great. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the cover. She's so beautiful. Yeah, right. And, I love the cover. And, uh, and we need to say too, you know, it's, there's some secrets going on. Oh, so, yeah. you know, it's hard to do these hush, interviews hush. sometimes <laughs> where you're like, I don't want to ask too much because I don't want to give it away. <laughs> I know. I know. So thank you for keeping the secrets. Yeah, yes, of course. We, yes, of <laughs> we course. try our best. Our lips are sealed. Um, okay, so can you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find this book, where they can find your other books? Absolutely. So this book will be for sale wherever books are sold. Um, and my other books uh, as well, bookstores, Amazon, Kindle, you know, all of that. Um, and But you can always find me at my author website, which is K.A. Sherbrooke. And there's an E on the end of Sherbrooke for the listeners. Mm-hmm. And um, there I have events where I'll be appearing and um, and you can find my other books. Perfect. And because uh, I think it's coming out on the 4th, correct? Of April? That's right. April All 4th. right, great. So, and if people can, they should pre-order it because yes. it's always so nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Love those pre-orders. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. This was great. Thanks you guys so much. It was great to meet you. Thanks.